A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, whoever boasts should boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who recommends himself who is approved, but he whom the Lord recommends. If only you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Please put up with me, for I am jealous of you with the jealousy of God, since I betrothed you to the one husband to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verbum Domini. Young men and women, praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all you his angels. Praise him, all you his host. Let the kings of the earth and all peoples, the princes and all the judges of the earth, young men too and maidens, old men and boys, praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has lifted up the horn of his people. Be this his praise from all his faithful ones, from the children of Israel, the people close to him. Alleluia. be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field which a person finds and hides again and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise 
Well, if I may say, uh, first on a personal note, uh, a great a debt of gratitude to be here amongst uh, the Friars and amongst the uh, Eternal World Television Network and all the viewers at home or anywhere in the world. Again, I'm Father uh, John Maria Devaney of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. And I actually have come to Alabama uh, not only to uh, have this pilgrimage, if you will, of Catholic media, which I'm also involved in uh, as well, but also to uh, preach to our Dominican nuns. We have Dominican monastic life uh, in uh, the order that St. Dominic founded nuns first here in Marbury, Alabama a monastery that has a rich history and also a great relationship uh, with uh, the community here and of course the Diocese of Birmingham and Mobile. Also too on a personal note, uh, just in a sense of gratitude of how important and how influential EWTU was when I was discerning my call to the priesthood and religious life uh, in, in the mid 2000s. So also today, since it is a uh, Dominican saint that we are celebrating, St. Rose of Lima. Uh, the invitation to preach, as being from the Order of Preachers, came from the Friars two nights ago. And of course, they'll be uh, getting a large bill to have such Dominican preaching here in uh, Alabama. Uh, it takes a long way to get here. No. There actually is a, a great, lovely tradition, as many of you may know, between Dominican Friars and uh, Franciscan Friars, because St. Dominic and St. Francis were peers. And it was actually uh, Pope Honorius III who gave the approval to the Franciscan order, then the Dominican order, and actually also the Carmelite order. So three great orders of friars to come out of the Middle Ages were uh, given you know, permission and establishment through Pope Honorius. And interestingly enough, I always wondered, where is Pope Honorius buried? And I found out that He's buried at St. Mary Major, Our Lady of the Snows, in Rome. And so when I was in Rome a few years ago, uh, I said, well, I have to go, uh, you know, go to his grave and, 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 and say a prayer and say thank you for this great contribution of friars. And so you get to Mary Major, if any of you have had the privilege of going there, it's quite large. And it's actually the sacristans are Franciscan friars there. And I went into the sacristy and I asked the friar, I said, uh, if I may, where is, uh, uh, is it true that Pope Honorius III is here? I'd like to say a prayer and thank him for establishing all these great mendicant orders. Uh, and he goes, uh, yes, it's a true that he's here, but we don't know where his body is. So I just looked, I probably had a picture of Our Lady somewhere in the basilica and said thank you. So Pope Honorius is there. Maybe we'll produce a, a special one day with a Carmelite friar, a Dominican friar, and a Franciscan friar. We could call it Finding Honorius. And we'll go through <laughs> the Vatican records and find out where exactly his body is. But for our time today, we have the example and the celebration of the Church of St. Rose of Lima. Now, it's very interesting. She lived in a time where the church was still coming to the New World in South America. She's actually the first canonized saint of the Americas. And she was born in 1586, April 20th to be exact. And she passed away August 24th, 1617, at the age of 31 in Lima, Peru. Funny to think about how she died at that age where Christ's public ministry traditionally was just getting going. Yet her sainthood, her sanctity, her holiness was one more of privacy than in the public eye. Because what she was known for, and it began when she was very young, was her penance, her sense of mortification, and her austerity. 
She actually wanted to enter the convent, but her parents uh, wouldn't let her. They wanted her to marry. So what she did out of obedience to her parents was to basically become a hermit in her backyard. Uh, she had a small hermitage, a small house she built, where she would dedicate her time to penance and prayer. And she stayed out of that public eye. Yet, her family did need help. And of course, even in the great tradition of penance and prayer in her hermitage, there has to be work. We think of the Benedictines with Ora et Labora, work in prayer. So to help support the family, she would actually grow flowers and sell them. And she actually would make embroidery. She was known for doing embroidery work. So she's a patron saint of embroidery and florists. But she also then had this fire of faith that she wanted to somehow consecrate her life. And what she did as a lay woman was to order, to enter the third order of St. Dominic, also known in our current times as the lay fraternities of St. Dominic. But many of the great religious orders have lay people who are connected to them, or tertiaries, we'll call them. So her participation in the life of an order of the church and her great role model, St. Catherine of Siena, was a way where she could keep this obedience to her family and support her family, not enter into obviously the vocation of marriage or be forced into that against her will, but also give great honor to God. So by her doing this and her ability to have this sense of mortification, she was able to put the spotlight on God and not herself. She found that pearl of great price and held on to it in her backyard. And what's interesting too with St. Rose of Lima is that she was very beautiful. And it's interesting, her mortifications were so severe, by grace alone was she called to perform them, that she actually, even to distract from her beauty, rubbed peppers in her face so that her skin would be almost permanently irritated and red and blotchy. And then it was even said that she slept on broken glass and stones and she didn't eat meat and she fasted and even didn't sleep that much at all. And of course, you and I are not called to such penances uh, per se, only by the grace of God that she could do that. But what did she do? She mortified herself. She practiced the age-old virtue of mortification. And to think about in our own day of age, in the times in which we live, how St. Rose of Lima can help us counter our own vices in modern society, but also then encourage virtues at the level that we're called to be at right here and now in 2023. So, I think one of the greatest things we don't talk about that often that is a vice of our time, and especially among the youth, as we even heard the responsorial psalm talking about young men and women, is the vice of vanity. You know, uh, when the phones were able to start taking our pictures and the selfie became popular over the last decade, I often thought the opportunity to preach in a homily, and I'll use it now, would be Cell phone, cell phone in my hand. Tell me who's the fairest in all the land, right? <laughs> and then you'd take that picture of yourself and put it up. Now, of course, we do want to have a healthy self-image and a healthy sense of self as the human dignity that we do deserve. But how many young men and women now, whether they realize it or not, and even it can happen to ourselves too at any age, 
have entered into times of vanity, how much we exalt the self even in our use of social media and our use of whatever may be around us in our present day and age. And it's something that can sneak in quietly and not realizing that we're kind of just going with the flow. Uh, but then we know now as studies are coming out that this can be soul crushing in the development of young men and I say women too, of young women and I'll say men too, in their sense of self-worth. Someone who may be 18 to 20 years old and they have 60 to 70,000 followers or even more just for whatever they've put up. And quite often, as we know, it's more vicious than virtuous. So then by us holding on to mortifications and looking into a strong sense of our focus on Christ, then we can begin to pull away from the times of vanity in which we live, and then of course, let humility flourish. And I kind of say this in our time that we may not, and I don't have a desire, dear Lord, to sleep on broken glass, uh, and I do like to eat meat, uh, but that being said, mortifications for the faint of heart, and many of us are faint of heart. So what are the little things that we can do to just ever grow closer to the cross of Christ and mortify ourselves? You know, one of the greatest lines I ever personally heard in Fulton Sheen's preaching was, he said this, the joke left unsaid as a mortification. The joke left unsaid. Or that moment where you think you have the right ability to contribute to the conversation, and it would be good and holy, and you just maybe stay quiet. And of course, the mortifications that we know through our times of Lent and the other seasons, and even still keeping Friday abstinence of not eating meat. Yes, we do have the option of a prayer penance, but there's something, too, of renouncing uh, that sense of self. And it isn't it funny in our own day and age that secular modern society is beginning to see things that we would consider mortifications to be actually beneficial. So we hear about intermittent fasting all the time now, right? And it's health benefits. We hear about digital detox and having to get away from your phone and putting timers on things. So due to the innate reality of the natural law in our hearts, isn't it fascinating that even secular society identifies the fact that we can't always indulge and indulge and indulge and we have to withdraw really for our own health. But like St. Rose of Lima and for the baptized, that mortification of heart, what does it do? For us, it dilates the soul. It opens the soul greater to God because we are stepping further away from the created world and its genuine goods. And what we're trying to do is allow the Lord to come in more. And then, of course, if our humanity has to match his divine humanity throughout our whole life, what it does mean is the cross. It does mean suffering. And no suffering has to go to waste for any Christian. It never has to go to waste. That it has a purpose, it has a role, and it can give glory to God by dilating our soul. And Rose of Lima knew that. But here's what's, I think, most fascinating as we look towards her life, even as short as it was at 31 years. Her mortifications, her isolation, and her hermitage had to eventually end and move towards charity. So what did she do in the last three years of her life? She opened up this little house in her hermitage to the sick, to orphans, and to the elderly. And she actually took care of them, gave them physical care, corporal works of mercy, 
as maybe most of her life were hidden lives of spiritual or hidden works of spiritual works of mercy. So she knew that it had to have a charity that would go outside herself, even though she had this hidden life. And she did that all through this base, as strong as it was, of mortifications. So you and I then, in the pearl of great price that we have found in our lives, in our hearts, with God, can allow all these tiny little works, even if it's not that second cup of coffee or that joke left unsaid, to then result in charity outside of ourselves, to live for others, corporal spiritual works of mercy. And then, I have to give you a little bit of St. Thomas or, and Aristotle. If I didn't do this, the master of the Dominican order would be quite upset. We always have to mention St. Thomas Aquinas. Here's what Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas always said, that those acts repeatedly again and again, just like viciousness, the virtues repeated can lead to good habits, and then it becomes second nature. So foregoing whatever that mortification, as small as it may be, can become just a second nature. Not that it diminishes in its strength or power, but it actually becomes a second nature of something we do. And that includes our prayers, too. So the rosary becomes habituated. So for so many of you, daily mass and your routine becomes habituated. Even for us in consecrated life, the fires, living the evangelical councils, even with its ups and downs of our vocation or your vocation in the married life, can become habituated. So this second nature, that Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas talk about is elevated by grace and thus brings glory to God, help to our neighbor, and sanctification to our soul. And we have Rose of Lima today and this morning to look at and to say thank you for and to help in our own day and age or our own particular time. And I'll leave you this morning with one quote from St. Rose of Lima that we can hold on to and build these little mortifications for the faint of heart like many of us are. And she says this, this is the only true ladder to paradise. And outside of the cross, there's no way to climb to heaven. So brothers and sisters, and wherever we may be in the world, let us take these tiny mortifications. Let us climb that ladder to heaven. Let's ask for St. Rose of Lima to help us, and it might even mean turning off the television. From the heart of Jesus flowed blood and water as a sign of mercy for us. Therefore, with confidence, we can now approach him with all our needs.